This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Welcome back, folks. We are joined by Guy Williams, pre- president of Gulf Coast Bank and Trust, and he joins us every Monday at this hour, and we certainly appreciate his time and his insight. Guy, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you very much. Good to be with you today. Guy, the uh, U.S. jobs market numbers uh, came out, uh, have uh, been released, and uh, what did they reveal? Well, it's an interesting mix, and it looks like uh, – the U.S. employment market is doing well. The uh, number of people hired is a little bit higher than expected. And it's, uh, you know, that soft landing that we're all hoping for may be on the horizon. Uh, there's some troubling trends in that uh, the ratio of open jobs to applicants is changing for the worse. And so we're seeing fewer jobs open. And the other thing that we're seeing is is just a real indicator of the job market, which is the people quitting, that ratio has declined. And you think, well, why would anyone care? When the job market is really good and you have lots of options, people feel free to quit to get a better job. That ratio touched 3%. It's now down closer to 2 So it's an indication that people are a little more nervous about the market. So it's good. It's indicating that it's still, it's still robust, uh, better than forecast, but uh, there could be some trouble on the horizon next year. When we look at economic sectors, right, I mean, what people are, are experiencing within these economic silos or sectors could be vastly different. Which, What do you see? Um, are there any changes in the ones that have been high-performing and that you still feel comfortable with? There's a real mismatch right now between jobs that are available and skills that people have. Uh, You have some of the tech companies cutting jobs pretty dramatically. Spotify last week was cutting jobs. Uh, uh, Twitter, which is now X, cut a tremendous number of jobs. But you also have a challenge in that there are retail jobs and service jobs that are going begging. And A lot of that is either because they're at places that people just can't get to or uh, they're jobs people don't want. And I think one of the interesting things is if you think about a service job, probably it's an extreme example, but in Aspen, there are a lot of fast food restaurants that can't staff. Well, you think, well, there aren't that many fast food restaurants in Aspen. Yeah, but in in the roads up to them, there are, but it's very difficult because it's so expensive. So 
people that live nearby can't really afford to take those jobs. So it's tough to get that to work. So when you see those unemployment numbers, it's a little bit of a misnomer because you just can't afford to work at a low-wage job in a high, high-cost high city like Aspen. So there's a bit of a mismatch in locations, a little bit of a mismatch in skill. Still a lot of demand, and my goodness, the AI demand has gone crazy. Uh, tech in certain areas is still good. And manufacturing is beginning to come back. So that's that's an encouraging sign because those tend to be better paying jobs. So when we look at um, where we are uh, now, I mean, we, we you, last week we discussed that um, mortgages were coming down a little bit, right? And we were beginning to they see s- some relief there. Does that trend continue? Um, well, it's sort of backed up. I mean, the rates dropped down, and now they're going back the other direction. So there, there was a bit of an overreaction where the markets got super excited and thought, okay, it's time for rates to be down. And then uh, there was a challenge, and the challenge is as the Treasury refunds bonds, they're pushing an awful lot of product into the market. And so when people are looking at buying additional Treasuries, you have to sell something else. So you've got to feel like, I want to get out of whatever investment I'm in and buy more U.S. Treasuries. And right now, the stock market seems to be good. There's a lot of optimism for next year. You know, MasterCard's economist just said, you know, we're we're seeing good growth next year and expecting a, a pretty robust year next year. So you've got to entice people out of stocks to get into bonds. And it's hard to entice them if rates are falling. And I think that's the, sort of the conundrum that we're in right now. Last week, it looked like the Fed was going to cut rates. Um, you know, we're in for a, a lower, longer scenario. And this week, people are saying, wait a minute, that may not happen. We still have an awful lot of debt. Uh, the burden of interest expense is a challenge. And so it may be that uh, we can't reduce rates very quickly. And actually, that's sort of what the Fed has been saying. It's like, we're not planning to do a rapid decrease in rates. So within one week, the, uh, there's a, a forward projection that the markets do of what they expect, and it's pushed back in a month. Now the markets are not expecting a March rate cut. They're expecting it later in the year. So really a volatile week, and it's looking like people are thinking, okay, rates may stay a little bit higher a bit longer. Got a text here. It says, ask guy to comment on this article that was in the wall street journal why treasury auctions have wall street on edge i think you just touched on one aspect of it yeah the the challenge and and the wall street auction i'll take just a minute to explain the way they work is if you and i are uh, primary dealers and we've got about six other folks that are we all bid what rate we want to accept and Say you're bidding 4.1, I bid 4.2, someone else 4.3. The Treasury takes the bids from low to high, and whatever the highest bid is that it takes to clear the auction, that's the rate everybody gets. So there's a little bit of a gamesmanship. You want to, if you want to get bonds, you want to put in a little bit of a low bid, but you also don't want to get stuck where it becomes a low bid. Well, what's happening is the Treasury is seeing that that highest rate to clear the auction has been pumping up more than they thought. 
and dealers behind the scenes are talking to the Fed and saying, you know, we can probably get good bids up to $10 billion, $20 billion, $40 billion, but above that, it's going to be a challenge. And so the Fed is seeing a, a little bit of softening in demand. So that pushes rates higher. And the last thing they want to have is an auction where they're not able to sell the bills and then they have to buy them themselves because that, that would put everybody into a very nervous situation. Do you ever wonder, because, you know, the, the more I read, I, it, it, it's kind of like this is really a guessing game. I mean, it, it may be a, a little bit of an educated guess, but it's still there's still a lot of uncertainty in almost everything that we do when it comes to the economy. There is, and I think sometimes are more uncertain than others. And, you know, what we're facing now is we're dealing with a lot of global threats that are really challenging people's assumptions about what's going to happen. And if you talk to people that analyze threats, one of their big concerns is because you have you know, Russia acting like an outlaw regime because you have turmoil in the Middle East. Is it possible that that spreads to, you know, a serious domestic terrorism incident? You know, heaven help us, something like a 9-11. And that makes people nervous and is very concerning. So you're, you're making your forecast, you're saying, except for extraordinary events. And then you look around saying, you know, we're seeing a lot of extraordinary events. You know, China in the uh, South China Sea, lost their appeal to the U.N. The U.N. said, look, you don't own all of the South China Sea. You don't own 40 miles offshore of the Philippines. And China basically said, we don't really care. We're going to blockade Philippine vessels supplying their own islands that are right offshore. So people look at that and say, man, could that develop into a shooting war? You know, what does that mean for supply chains? Uh, you know, there's always nervousness around, uh, you know, flu season. Do we have a particularly violent and virulent strain? So, yeah, it, it's a, a more disconcerting time to do economic forecast. And, and we've we've cited Harry Truman, who wanted the one-armed economist who couldn't say, on the other hand, yeah. well, you know, now the economists are having like three arms. Well, this arm and that arm. And, uh, yeah, well, there could be a third option. Because you know what's interesting about what you just said about these auctions, right, is that um, uh, there's always like a time period, like right before the rebound, right after or whatever, where you optimize returns on your money. Obviously, a lot of people put money in money markets last year, right, to get a guaranteed rate of return, um, the uncertainty with the Fed. Everyone's trying to guess when this is going to peel back. Because uh, they kind of want to hit that little optimal period of time where they can make a bigger return on their investment than usual, and it's interesting because they they you see these articles post, then they disappear for a week or two, then they come back, and it makes you know the timing. It makes you wonder. Everybody's trying to figure out what it is, but I I wonder whether or not anybody really can. No, it 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 literally is impossible, and. Not- I've seen the interest rate cycle through the ups and downs and remember vividly when you could get high teen rates on CDs and high teen rates on long government securities. And most financial advisors said, 
this is probably time to lengthen maturities, you know, buy some longer-term bonds, buy some longer-term CDs, and very, very few people did it. And what happened is people thought, I'm going to wait till rates go up even higher, and then I'm going to buy. And unfortunately, what happened for the people waiting is rates started to go down, and then they say, well, I'm going to wait till I can get the rate I could have gotten a year ago. Well, that rate's gone. And then a year later, you know, a month later, whatever, I'm going to wait till I could get the rate I used to be able to get. And they end up following it all the way down. You know, we advise people to, to do what's called laddering maturities. Go ahead and buy mm-hmm. a one-year, a two-year, a three, a four, and a five, because no one can predict rates. And, and if you could, you could just go on Wall Street and trade Treasury futures. You wouldn't have to actually do any real work. Just right. if you could predict that right, trade futures and life is good. Yeah, yeah. It's just funny. You see this, you, you know, the more I've, I've read about this over the last six years that I've been doing this, and, and I have like this little chart that I that I kind of look at as two weeks on, they're talking about it, then they disappear for a month. Then it comes back for a couple of weeks, you know. In fact, there, there was an article posted this morning, again, um, about, you know, people that were earning 5% interest in money markets. It probably wasn't a bad gig like last year not so sure it's going to be a good gig this year maybe you need to start thinking about getting back into treasuries you know i mean uh, into securities and um you know and it's like how do they know <laughs> I just... yeah and i would for sure say because you don't know it's a good idea to hedge your bets and <clears throat> spread your maturities out go ahead and buy some one two three and four year securities so that if rates do fall you're protected and then if rates go up the one year is going to mature, buy a new four-year at the back end, and you have a much better chance of making money through the goods and good and bad times if you do that than if you try and time the market. I literally have never seen a single customer time the market successfully. So, Guy, also, you know, what's interesting is when we look at oil, you know, and oil is a big player, right? It's a big play. Uh, it, it affects the economy. Gas prices are down. Five weeks ago, we were talking about it heading back to $100 a barrel. And it almost feels like the same thing. Can can we even predict what it's going to be anymore? Oh, yeah. We're back in the, the 70s. And, you know, there was a time when $13 a barrel was the oil price. Yeah. And then there was a time when people thought if it went to 100 that'd be a disaster. Then it's going to go to 250 the one thing we know for sure is that as oil gets cheaper, people start to use more of it. And it, whether it's just the ordinary driving decision, okay, now it's cheaper to fill the tank, I'm going to take longer trips. But the bigger usage is, particularly in foreign countries, Indonesia, India, people that are living on the margin, when prices go down, they consume more because it improves their standard of living. So. This this is a trend that can't go super low because unless you have a vast new supply of oil, as the price goes down, people will consume more of that oil. The only the only time that wouldn't happen is if we're in a global depression where people just don't have money and can't consume it. But every time there's been a, a big drop in oil prices, you see consumption come up, and it, it sort of makes sense. I mean, if you're if yeah. you're in a country like India, you want air conditioning. So when prices get cheap for utilities, you use more. 
Yeah. It's just amazing that everybody was talking about $100 barrel by the end of the year. Energy prices fell 2.5% last month, 5% in gas prices drop. <laughs> it's like, okay, what happened to the $100 barrel? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just, it's gone. And, I mean, it, it, the fluctuations uh, are are so intense and, uh, over a short duration. You wonder what information people are looking at that are actually indicative of much of anything that you can rely on. We're visiting with Guy Williams, president, Gulf Coast Bank and Trust. If you've got a question, 504-260-1870 on the Oakland Heart Jewelers Talk and Text Line. Just text it in. We'll make sure we'll ask him. We'll be right back after the break. Stay with us. Hey, everyone. Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us, and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Welcome back, folks. We are visiting with Guy Williams, President, Gulf Coast Bank and Trust. Guy, um, is is there any sense in uh, that that you see out there? You know, we talked about this soft landing for a long, long time. Um, is that still in in the Wall Street nomenclature? It is, and what people are expecting. You know, once again, we talked about interest rates. Last week, people thought rates were going to drop in March. Now the, now they think May. Uh, as you said, no one knows for sure, but it looks like the U.S. economy is very resilient, and it's resilient for a, a bunch of reasons. One that's not popular to talk about except in South Louisiana is tremendous U.S. oil production. You know, we're, we're doing a great job producing oil and supplying the world, so – Russia's war with Ukraine has not uh, put people in a horrible situation in terms of oil and natural gas. In fact, we see natural gas prices dropping a bit right now because of U.S. production. So the resilient U.S. economy has really pushed uh, the the idea that there'll be a recession early next year back to the end of the year or maybe the following. Uh, the other thing is we're seeing a pickup in participation, uh, you know, during COVID, a lot of baby boomers retired. They're not really coming back to the workforce yet, but the younger people, the ones below 55, actually have a higher participation rate than before COVID. So when you have people working, that's a great sign for the U.S. economy and a great sign for the strength of the U.S. So those are good signs. I think the the big fear is uh, what they call the black swan event, something that no one can predict or you, you're just very un, unusual event that causes things to go bad. But, yeah, I'm pulling for soft landing, and I think it's it's looking better right now. Is uh, tomorrow the day that the CPI comes out, consumer price index numbers? Yeah, there'll be a new CPI number, and, and it is trending down, but it's stuck above th- two. And, I mean, it is just not getting down to the uh, – two percent rate that they want which is another reason that the fed will probably keep rates a bit higher and you know the the rates are what we think are high because we're used to the zero during covid but they're not high compared to normal compared to the average long-term rate so you know the fed can afford to leave rates a bit higher 
if and that's the big if if the government can get the spending in line because when you when you push a lot of debt into the market that that disrupts the normal uh rates that you would expect in the market do you think that we got spoiled faster than ordinary relative to these low rates because we're just not saving at at a pace that we did in the 50s the 60s and the 70s well it it's hard not to get spoiled because we we had an interesting economic I liked theory. It. it was modern monetary <laughs> theory, which said you can spend as much money as you want, and you don't have to raise taxes, and the, the deficits don't matter because rates are below uh, the long-term growth of the economy. And it's like telling every family, you know, things are just free. Whatever you want, here's a credit card. Just go get it. And, you know, which one of us didn't like that idea? It's like stuff is free, you know. One one phrase that Ben Bernanke used once was helicopter money. I think he wishes he hadn't, but you just drop helicopter money over America. So for a while, it was it was pretty nice. It, you know, a lot of money flowing, a lot of uh, federal dollars flowing, and it seemed like there was no end and no consequence. So yeah, I think we did get spoiled. And as I tell tell the uh, kids, you know, we, we baby boomers had a party. You guys both get to pick up and pay the bill. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Uh, let's pivot. Uh, U.S. mail system uh, promoting their informed delivery. Tell us about it. Yeah, I really, really encourage this. No, this is, you know, we've talked about mail theft and, and out of all the mail thefts, we've only caught one guy. And I'm glad we did. It was a great joint effort. So he's in jail. But new crooks have come up and they're stealing mail. They do what's called washing checks. So they'll... Uh, bleach out the uh, the payee and, and substitute someone else, it really becomes very disruptive. But the Postal Service has done something that's pretty amazing. You can go on and sign up, and you will get an email from the post office, and you'll have a website dashboard that you can look at that will show you all the mail that's going to come to your house tomorrow. And you can go back and see what came the day before, the day before that, and make sure you got everything. It'll show you what packages are scheduled to be delivered. If something needs to be re-delivered, you can go uh, put notes on there. And, you know, it is nice when things are free. And, I mean, we all like free stuff. This is a free service. U.S. Postal Service does it at no cost. Uh, and they're really just – I can't think of a good reason not to sign up. It's an absolutely free service. And – once you see the dashboard and you sort of see what's coming in, it's like, oh, man, I got a Christmas card. I better uh, send a Christmas card to those folks because in two days I'm getting one, and uh, I hadn't thought about them. They weren't on my list. So I, I recommend yeah. it, and it's a good way to avoid fraud too because if you don't get something that you're expecting, you know, you see a check coming, you see a bill coming, and you don't get it. That means someone might have picked up the mail, and they're trying to use it for identity theft, and that's the security advantage to doing it. I use it when folks tell you the check's in the mail. <laughs> you get to figure it out a couple it. days and, in advance, right? <laughs> and, uh, I mean, it's super simple. So for listeners, just go to USPS Inform Delivery, and when I signed up, it, it didn't take five minutes. And then you can immediately, and I don't know, whoever's running the technology behind the scenes, it's pretty darn impressive because 
in 10 minutes, I was able to look at all the uh, mail that had been sent to me over the past week, as well as the packages. It's a damn so good thing they it, didn't have it when I was thing. growing up. If they'd have had that when I was growing up, I don't think my parents would have ever seen my report card. No chance. Exactly. No you would have known in advance. Okay, I got I to gotta intercept that mail. Yeah, I'm going home sick early that day for sure. Got a, when got I was a text at here, Grammar, guy. One of my, uh, one of my students signed his, uh, his report card that he didn't want his parents to see. Your parents. Because the note said it has to be signed by your parents. Right. And so he turned it back in with literally the signature, your parents. Your parents. <laughs> Didn't work too well. No, not not at all. Got a text question here. Um, the texter asked, the 2017 tax cuts expire at the end of 2025. Your thoughts on economic effect? It's going to depend on several things. One, where we are in the uh, economic cycle, and also who controls uh, the House and the Senate, as well as the White House. Uh, Obviously, Team R would like to renew the cuts. Team D would like to uh, let them expire, with some exceptions. And And the salt. salt. They want the salt to come back, right? Yeah, which is odd because it – if you look at the demographic, that really benefits primarily the rich. The uh, standard mm-hmm. deduction is pretty large. And so, you know, if you, if you really are mad at the rich people, bringing the salt deduction is not something you shouldn't bring back. But one thing that's very important that will change is there's a lifetime exemption for estates that will drop pretty dramatically. And uh, the, um, these numbers aren't going to be exactly right, but they'll be directionally correct. Let's say it's $15 million for a married couple. When the tax cuts expire, it'll drop down to 3 or $4 million. So for people that are doing estate planning, you'll want to make that lifetime exemption gift early if you think that the uh, cuts won't be renewed. And it takes yep. a while for tax cut policy to flow through the economy. It, it's great for the economist, for the uh, accountants, rather, because, you know, they get to advise you and people restructure. So it, it will have an effect. It'll be great for the uh, CPAs. Uh, the effect on the economy will depend on what's renewed and what's not. And it's it's way too early now. I mean, we can't tell what uh, this Congress is going to do from day to day. So two years from now is going to be a big mess, but it is worth looking at and starting to do some planning, particularly on that big estate number. Yeah. I mean, I don't understand the mindset as to why they would have it drop, you know, the, the ceiling drop so precipitously in that one year, right? From, well, it's I think, interesting. What is it? is it around 13 and a half million right now, uh, somewhere around there, or is it yeah. as high as 15 yeah. million? Yeah, it could be in that. It, it's it's in that range, and th- right. it's going to drop in the two or three million range. It's interesting. A lot of people forget, but there was a magic year during the Bush presidency when there was no estate tax, and in that year, there there were a lot of sort of morbid jokes among my medical friends that uh, in yeah. the ICU people were watching to see relatives uh, as December thirty first crept up. <laughs> to make sure they weren't doing anything unusual. But there was a year with no estate tax. And one of the guys that was a senior guy with the uh, New York Yankees died during that year. And no estate tax at all. And then it bounced back, and it's just the way it was. 
All right, let's, uh, we got to get to a break. 504-260-1870 on the Oakland R. Jewelers Talk and Text Line. We're visiting with Guy Williams, President of Gulf Coast Bank and Trust. We'll be right back, folks. Stay with us. Welcome back, folks. We're visiting with Guy Williams, President of Gulf Coast Bank and Trust. Uh, Guy, let's talk about deep fake images part two in the Louisiana law. We had Senator Jeremy Stein on, uh, who is the author of the Louisiana deep fake law uh, this morning at 10 a.m. It was a very interesting conversation. And very glad you did. Unfortunately, the crooks are always uh, running quickly ahead. Uh, we have two laws in Louisiana. One is Louisiana Law 440, which requires identification if you're going to view porn. Now, th- this is uh, certainly I understand the, the rationale behind it. You don't want children viewing porn. But I also don't like the idea of giving your sensitive uh, personal info to pornographers who are some of the most reprehensible people around and certainly some of the most dangerous on the internet. So that's 440. Uh, 457 attempts to solve the deep fake problem and it makes it illegal to uh, take an image, a a facial image of a minor and put them onto someone that's engaging in a sex act. The challenge is what's really happening in this area that's most concerning to the psychologists and uh, school administrators is mostly teenage boys are using deep fake technology to just make their classmates naked. And there are apps that can do that with remarkable skill. Uh, Obviously, they don't know what the person looks like, but they approximate and use artificial intelligence to make a pretty good guess. And so it just becomes embarrassing, but it's not illegal under federal law. And I don't think it's illegal under Act 457 because it's not engaging in a sex act, which is what the law talks about. So that's something we'll probably want to look at in this session. The other big challenge, Newell, is that passing laws doesn't make people quit doing criminal activity. Obviously, if it did, we wouldn't need uh, sheriffs and police departments. But we're we're in a tough situation now because there's so much of a push toward violent crime, and that's rightfully so. You know, Ann Kirkpatrick, our new police chief in Orleans, said, you know, her first priority is to reduce violent crime, and I, I agree with her. But this is not a violent crime. It's a horrible crime if your daughter's affected and embarrassed at school, but it's not something that uh, the prosecutors and DAs are looking at. So I think This is something we may want to look at of having a special task force that enforces it and changing the law so that, you know, posting these uh, apparently nude images of uh, minors is also illegal, not just posting uh, a minor engaged in a sex act. Absolutely. Last topic, growing world of preppers. What's that about? Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, you know, we used to call them survivalists, and in Louisiana, we're all used to uh, preparing for disasters. But there is a significant group of younger people, and the fastest growing is a group from 25 to 35, who are beginning to say, I need to be prepared for a disaster, whether it's a three-day power outage, a two-month uh, power outage, or a a more cataclysmic breakdown of civilization and younger adults are beginning to look at stocking food, stocking uh, ways to create clean water, uh, stocking 
uh, different resources in the event that there's some sort of disaster. And a lot of people think there's a correlation because a lot of the news today is about, you know, we, we have a climate disaster. It's going to be the end of the earth. We have uh, social unrest. It's going to be the end of the earth. And those stories are very clickable. They sell a lot of ads. And so the younger audience is getting inundated with uh, stories like that, but they're also becoming a little more sensitive. And so, you know, our purpose is just to talk to people and say, look, if you, if you want to be prepared, be prepared for what's most likely. And certainly in South Louisiana, it's losing power for who knows, three days, two months. It'd be good to do that. And, and don't do what one of my friends did, which was uh, buy a bunch of spam. And I, I said, well, what did you buy spam for? I said, well, it, it's good for disasters. I said, well, do you ever eat spam? I said, no, I can't stand it. I said, well, <laughs> what makes you think you're going to want to eat spam for two months? Yeah. There's plenty of good freeze-dried food at uh, camping supply stores. Test the ones you like. But, not, you know, if you're going to be a prepper, eating spam. it makes sense. <laughs> I'll just yeah, have to pass on. I'm not eating <laughs> Not going to happen. As always, this hour flies by. Guy Williams, president of Gulf Coast Bank and Trust. Thanks so much for your time and your insight. Have a great week, my friend. Uh, good to be with you. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thank, thank you, sir. That's Guy Williams, president of Gulf Coast Bank and Trust. We'll be right back. Stay with us to see what Scoot has coming your way. Welcome back, folks. Don't forget, we will be at H2O on Wednesday broadcasting live. Toys for Tots, if you could bring by an unwrapped gift that would be great scoots up next what do we have coming up hey we'll talk about the saints and Jaden daniels and trans-siberian orchestras coming to town we'll talk to somebody involved in that and there's a billboard uh, with santa and a gun promoting a shooting range does anybody have a problem with that all right he's got a great lineup coming your way stay tuned hope you enjoyed today's show we'll see you again in the morning Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 